my goodness. Welcome to the Boss Bitch Show podcast. Ew, ew, ew. We have the honor and privilege of having with us the gorgeous, talented, phenomenal, <laughs> powerful Madame Namio. Oh my god. Yes, yes. Retired pro dom, esthetician, and comedian. Ah, what a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm glad it finally came together. Oh, I, yeah. So Namio and I met through my former comedy partner, Jack the Stripper, and she did our show. You were dressed in the most fabulous weed dress I've ever yeah. seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was hot and hilarious. Um, my favorite things in life to be sexy and funny at the same time. That's like, yeah, I think that's my love language. <laughs> same. But also you have this amazing social media presence where you you share very vulnerably about your life and your joys, your pains, and it's and you're you're very generous with that. And also, you just give like fabulous photo shoots. And as a fellow well endowed woman, uh, I am always <laughs> cheering you on with our uh, our titty joys and struggles. Um, yes, <laughs> especially now yeah. in the summertime, honey. That boob sweat oh. is no joke, <laughs> girl. Fuck. Um, my friend calls it swoobs, uh, aka yeah. sweaty boobs. <laughs> Swoob life is real. Um, I And also being out here at the beach, yes. Actually, years ago when I went to Burning Man, I was very excited that I could be in a place where I could be naked, I could be in a costume. And so I would walk around often during the day without a bra on, but then there would be a river mm-hmm. of sweat under my boobs. So then I would take a what do you call those things? A bandana. <laughs> and I would sort of make it, make it like a triangle. And we called it, you know, and then I would tie it somehow underneath somehow. And we called it the boob hammock. Oh, and then sick. you're, yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. And then years later, someone came out with some like terry cloth device for the titties. And I was like, <laughs> you, you need to pay me, like pay me yeah. fucking tra- trademark rights. <laughs> <laughs> But I digress. I digress. Uh, We'd love to start these chats by finding out what makes you a boss bitch. So tell us, we know you're a boss bitch, but tell us what makes you a boss bitch. I think what makes me a boss bitch is that I live my life truly by my own terms. And as someone who has grown up not only in a society that has tried to demean and diminish me, but also in an abusive household that tried to do the same. I feel like I'm a boss bitch because I was able to unlearn all of those things Mm. that tried to keep me in a box. Because the thing is that people need to understand is you are so much easier to be controlled when you listen to the bullshit that people try to tell you about yourself. Like when people try to tell you you're ugly because you're fatter or your skin looks like this, or, you know, you're not worth much because you're black or because you're a woman, like all of those things 
exist in a way to break you because broken people are easier to control and to mold into whatever you want them to be. So I am a boss mm. bitch because I was able to give myself the hard work, but also the time to unwire all of that bullshit and get to my full potential. And it kind of made me realize like, wow, like everything I've been told is a lie. So like, what's really, there's no ceiling for me. Like I can just keep going mm. and keep getting better and keep doing better things and enjoying life. For sure. Like I've always been, I always used to be told that like I have to fight to survive, but it took me giving myself that chance to realize like, no, I want, I'm going to thrive too. Like mm. it's not just about survival. It's about thriving as myself. Like I don't have to pretend to be anybody but me. And at this point, I don't want to be anybody but myself. Word. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, I'm getting a little... Get yeah. a little misty over here. <laughs> Work. Wow. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um, how long have you been in New York for? I've I was born and raised in New York City. I have lived here my entire life except for a year and a half that I lived in Eugene, Oregon when I was 13. But I've just been here. Oh. I am a born and bred New Yorker. Hey. Yep. Amazing. Which is probably yeah, one of the other reasons why I just don't, I don't take bullshit. Like, it's just not, no. <laughs> yes, I, I can, I can, uh, I can definitely uh, agree with that. I am, I'm born and raised myself. And uh, I, I was joking around the other day at our show when I was talking about, uh, I just did Succession and it was my fifth time playing a cop or some sort of corrections officer or security guard. And I was like, what the fuck is this about? Like, obviously, I'm grateful to be cast. Like, no one's complaining. But what the fuck is this about? And then I started thinking about, like, me when I was 14 years old. I was like a little wannabe chola. And I talk like this. And I had my baggy jeans. And nobody fuck with me because I was like, yo, I'll get my crew. We're going to come fuck you up. And, <laughs> you know, it was very, it was very, like, Long Island. It was very New York. It kind of like went in between all the stuff. And I was like, oh, that bitch is like, she's still in the background running the show. That's what they say. And mm -hmm. I'm sending in these self tapes where I'm thinking I'm being like, you know, this mature, vulnerable actor. And it's like, you know, whatever. Chola Rachel's still like running the shit in the background. <laughs> Chola Rachel. <laughs> Chola Rachel. We had Zoranaka earrings and have red lipstick. You know what I'm saying? I love She is. She's running the um, show. Well, speaking of running the show, um, oh, yeah. if you don't mind sharing, Madam Namio, uh, what got you into Dom work? Uh, I was homeless and I needed money. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it, it was very much a survival thing. But I guess like I was doing survival sex work before I knew even what that was. I basically found out about BDSM and fetish through... A really strange way, a, a way of, through a way of healing, to be honest. Mm. Um, I discovered it when I was an undergrad at college. And basically, unfortunately, I was raped at a frat party. And the way that I usually try to heal is through artwork or through just doing something. And I thought, like, what is the most powerful like what does a powerful woman look like like what does a goddess being 
look like? And I was just trying to find something on my computer and I came across dominatrixes and it just instilled me with like a power and a hope that I just hadn't had in a really long time. So I created this photo project called Reclamation and I even got it funded by my college. And I basically went to every frat house at my university and dressed up like a dominatrix and I domed frat guys in front of each house. Oh my God, amazing. And I did it in front of the house that I was raped in. And I can't fully describe like that the the feeling, the feeling of strength, the feeling of just power to be on the same land where I was ripped apart and it's just like I'm here and I'm stronger and you didn't break me. Like there's there's so much more to me than what you can do to me. Like you don't have that power over me at all. And that like, I just wanted to feel that again. I'm like, what, what is this? So I just continued studying it. And I was already like, you know, going, doing survival sex work. And then I just started branching out into um, more BDSM, more fetish. And that led to me becoming a pro dom. And it was, it was not easy for sure. And you have to deal with a lot of shit, but it was also rewarding. And I will always be proud of the work that I did. And I'm never going to shit on the work that I did because it literally kept me alive. It kept a roof over my head and it fed me. So I'm, I never expected that turn to happen in my life, but I'm so grateful that it did. Wow. wow. What an incredible story. Oof. Yeah, I Oof. I think the the world in general uh is the, the mainstream world I, I guess I should say is a little ignorant of the possible healing benefits of BDSM in both directions. Um mm-hmm. you know because I've seen people who are uh survivors of sexual assault who might be on the submissive side, but to do it consensually has been healing. And it's very cool to hear from the dominant side, how that has been healing for you as well. You know, it's just a matter of, I guess, what works for you and the context and, you know, who you're dealing with. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, And also just the fact that like, I grew up in an environment where I was taught that I shouldn't have boundaries that I was only good if I was being used by people and BDSM like in order for it to exist it has to exist on a foundation of boundaries communication and consent so having to really practice that kind of changed the way that I lived my life where it's just like even when I'm not you know, being a dom or anything, like I will always have boundaries, I will always communicate. And if I am engaging with another human being, like it will always be based on consent. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Just out of curiosity, if you're comfortable sharing, what do you prefer in your personal life? Because I always find it interesting. I sometimes it's the same. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it depends on the partner, you know? So I'm fully a switch. I like both. Yeah. I like doing both. 
But lately I've been more on the submissive side just because like I have four to five jobs right now. I have to be in control of everything Mm. in my life. I have to be the one planning everything to be able to have like a partner who can just take that control can be like very liberating and like Mm. the subspace can be super, super pleasurable. But again, like in order for the dominant to have that power, the sub has to feel safe enough to give that power to them. So it really like, it can really depend on the partner that I have at the time, because sometimes it's like someone will try to be dominant and it's like, okay, this is not working out because your idea of dominance is just, it doesn't make sense (laughs) at all. And it's like, it's not like it's, it's supposed to be a power exchange, but yeah, Yeah. I'm definitely a switch for sure. I love both. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. A lot of people it's, I was just having this conversation yesterday out here in Cherry Grove where it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of people don't understand, first of all, that the majority of people who are super powerful in the world enjoy being submissive in the bedroom because it's like, I'm always in control. I'm always a boss bitch. When I get to the bedroom, just like, you know, can you take charge? Can you just give me pleasure? And I'm just going to, and obviously like the majority of us who are like, you know, I guess I would say sexually advanced, like I'm not, I'm not a starfish. Like I'm still participating. Right. Right. And subspace, you know, you might be willing to do certain things. Right. So you're, you're an active partner, but then also just how a lot of people don't understand how. I mean, maybe not in a pro-dom. Well, no, at the end of the day, the submissive chooses to give the dominant power and Mm -hmm. chooses to consent to that. But essentially, like, they're in charge because, you know, they're the ones that are saying, yeah, you can do these things to me. And Mm -hmm. then eventually, I mean, once you're in the scene itself, it's different. But, you know. Yeah, that's always Yeah, and they're and they're gonna be able to feel comfortable doing that if the if the dominant is doing their job well, they're gonna create a safe enough space where like that person feels secure enough to be like, Okay, I can do this now. I can do this power exchange. Because mm-hmm. if you're not doing the work to make your sub feel safe, then like what are you mm-hmm. doing? Yeah. Right. Right. That's your job. Right. Make them feel safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, I mean, like we've talked about it before on the show, but like Because I think, you know, with like stupid movies, like what was that? Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, like now that now, now that like BDSM and kink are sort of like in the mainstream, you know, we've seen how that has like infiltrated like dating spaces and apps and where people are like, I'm a dom looking for, you know, and it's like what, you know, Rachel and I always laugh because we're like, we love to ask the hard questions like, so how's your aftercare game? And literally, then literally crickets, it's crickets. And it's like, great talking to you. Best of luck. Like, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, and unfortunately, I've experienced, you know, people that, you know, proclaim to be dominance and to be experienced in BDSM. And it's just, they're just masking being violent, unfortunately. Literally. Exactly. Yeah. It pisses me off so much. And I'm so glad to hear that people are asking like, no, what is your aftercare process like? Because if you don't have an answer to that question, then you need to stop. You're not actually being a dominant. You're just hurting people. 
it it shows a lack of care, a lack of professionalism, just like, uh, and it's just, it goes against everything that BDSM is. Like, it's, it's just bad. Like, just say you're abusive. <laughs> That's more Literally. Literally. Yeah. Just be honest that you want to hurt people. You want to inflict pain on people and it has nothing to do with pleasure. Yeah, or it's like those fuck boys that they're like, oh, I heard girls like to be fucking choked, so yeah, I'm gonna do that, and bird. And it's like, and then they're like grabbing on your fucking windpipe, and it's like, you're what is this? <laughs> right. It's like I don't actually know how to do this safely. I haven't even asked you if you're into this because maybe one person was and the other person isn't. Right. And then also just like. Yeah, I, I always say it's the difference between like a narcissistic dom and someone who's more of like a pleasure dom or like a service top. And it's like, there's such a fucking difference, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway and how did yeah. you and how did you get into comedy? Because that's like we love that mix. We love we love sex positive comedy. So, yes. Or like, I, I mean. And then how did you and Jack connect? So yeah, tell me everything. <laughs> so I got into comedy when, um, so I used to be a cocktail waitress at the Ace Hotel in Manhattan. And I hated that job so much. It was fucking brutal. It was fu- like, I bet. I will go back to doing all kinds of things for money before I ever work in a restaurant again. That shit. Was oh, fun. <laughs> I have to, I have to interject on that. I say that all the time because like I was a stripper for a year and like, and I am like very like sex work positive. And I always say like being a stripper, like I don't feel that there was any, I didn't have anything that damaged me physically or mentally from that job. Like, was that job hard? Like, yes, it's a hard job. It's a job like anything else, you know, (laughs) but I have never felt more abused than I have in the service industry. Like that is a job that I will never fucking go back on. Yeah. And then you're still not getting, you're going through all that abuse and you're not even getting paid enough like you're not no it's ridiculous so I used to work there and oh my god it was so bad and at the time I used to live across the street from Bushwick public house and uh Bushwick and before my shift I would just go over there and have a drink and just like crack jokes about how fucking horrible my job was (laughs) and one of the people that works there was like hey we have a comedy night like you should come. And the day <laughs> of comedy night was the day that I actually got fired from that job. <laughs> well, the universe works in mysterious ways. Yeah. So I was like, now I can name drop. Like, I really don't care. And it ended up being great. But it was just like, it was just really funny because, you know, when they sat me down to fire me and like people, they use certain language where you're like, oh, shit, like. I'm about to get fired. And oh my God, I remember just sweating so much because I was like, holy shit, holy shit. Like what's going to happen? And then they told me why I got fired. And I was just like, really? They basically, I got fired because I didn't serve someone a coffee in time and he was a VIP guest. But I was sweating because I thought like they had checked the cameras and found out like I was stealing cheese for months. Like (laughs) thousands worth of cheese like so much cheese 
in the hotel name. Oh my God, I can't deal with this story. <laughs> no, we're firing you for this reason. And like the reason that they were firing me, I was like, I could probably sue over this. But in the back of my head, I was like, take the L because if they check the cameras, like they're going to see, like I used to have this huge sports bra and I would go in when I was the only waitress there in the mornings and I would go into the walk-in and take like half wheels of like Vermont cheddar brie and just shove them in my boots and just fucking steal. I would have wine and cheese nights in Bushwick all the time. I was like, bring the wine. I have the cheese. I love this so much. There's yeah, there's something so romantic about really sticking it to the man by stealing their cheese. Like oh, that yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> yep. And I also they found out that I was like lying to the customers. Like I just used to like make up shit. There was this one woman who got really upset because I didn't give her her green juice in time bring her her juice and she's like wow like that sure took a long time and I was like ma'am I'm so sorry usually the bus boy is here to go to the rooftop garden to pick the fresh herbs and vegetables for your juice but he's out sick today so I had to do it and she was like you have a rooftop garden I'm like yes we care so much about farm to table living here so we developed this like rooftop garden she started bringing like her yoga classmates there because she's like you have to try their green juice like it's made with the fresh vegetables from their rooftop garden we didn't have a rooftop anything in fact that week the roof had collapsed on one of the baristas <laughs> i'm so fucking dying oh my god that is so again the romantic like it's, I don't know how to describe how perfect that is. It's like fighting fire with fire. It's like, you're so pretentious and stupid about being mad about your green juice that I'm going to use what I know works on your type. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how special it is. And that was, that's yeah. why it takes so long because it's farm to table from our rooftop. Well, you know, it's like what we say, you know, with, I, I won't say it exclusively, but how really you just need to handle everyone in life like they're a client and you're a sex worker. And and I say that because I I liken it to the concept of making them think that you're, that they're in charge, but you're mm -hmm. in charge. You know, that's, it's that, that 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 mind fuck that we we have oh with so God. many people we know. That yep. is so brilliant. Like, wow. Wow. I also <laughs> <laughs> and also it, I mean it just reminds me of so many things like jobs where you're just like dealing with people and you're like, I literally can't. Like I was talking to a friend the other day who like hasn't really been working a lot. And he used to work for a company that I currently work for, like doing brand ambassador work. And he's like, oh, I love them. They're amazing. I just can't do it anymore. And I'm like, really? And he was like, yeah, you know, the last time I worked a job, it was like, you know, they needed like staff for like directional, like just to go the, the bathrooms are this way, you know, the theater is this way and whatever. And it was for like some film premiere. And this lady made a comment to him god i can't remember what the comment was and he just goes lady i'm just trying to make a paycheck and she 
felt so bad. Like she was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I know you're just doing your job. And man, that's a fantasy. That's a fantasy to just be like, you know what? I'm just trying to like make a buck and pay my rent. Can you lay off? Really? That's why it should be a high school graduation requirement. Like you have to work two years retail or food service because, you know, like you have to remember, like that's a person. Yes. I think, you know, I get that a lot. Like whenever I do workshops like that, where, you know, you work with all these like advertising agency people and marketing people. We always laugh that it's Allie in the leather jacket because it's always Allie in a leather jacket. And she is like, well, my client and it's like, bitch, nobody cares. No one cares, Allie, you know, in your leather jacket. But it really shows you can really tell when someone went to NYU for marketing and never had a fucking job in their Uh, life and they mm -hmm. went straight to a marketing agency because they were able to intern for free while their parents paid their rent. I'm dragging you, Allie, from marketing. (laughs) That bitch. (laughs) Fucking leather jacket. I can't. I mean, shit, I started fucking babysitting when I was like 10. I was mm-hmm. I was videotaping weddings with my dad when I was like 12, you know, working in supermarkets and ice cream shops. My parents were like, yeah, we don't have an allowance to give you. So if you go get want, it, if you want that money to buy that weed and that liquor, like girlfriend, go go do your thing <laughs> like they knew and put the yes. gas in the car and the pack of cigarettes or whatever I was doing when I was a teenager, like. It really shows. Everyone should do it. Everyone yeah. should have yeah. that job. Woof. It's like anytime someone would get like nasty with me, it's just like, girl, like you would break so easily, especially like I've worked at a lot of like the only restaurants that I've worked at have been like Michelin star restaurants or like mm. that's that serve Michelin star food. And it's deplorable. Like it's oh. so fucked up the things you have to deal with. And also like, rich people are dirty rich people are dirty as hell like one of the rules at the ace like one of like your requirements like as a waitress there like once it starts to get warm like you are required to tell people hey you need to put your shoes and socks back on and you can't put your feet your bare feet on the tables we serve food on you can't oh yeah that was like what? a regular thing. And people would get pissed. They'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, people eat here. They don't want to see your unbreaded chicken nugget toes gripping onto the table that they're eating off of. That's nasty. That is nasty. Like, insane. That is so fucking disgusting. And I cannot, I can completely believe that it needs to be oh, specified. privilege. Listen, you can call sex workers deranged perverts all you fucking want but like you want to see some perverts go to a fucking fancy restaurant and see what these people are fucking doing like i remember i had to kick a guy out we used to have bowls with sugar cubes 40 like 45 year old man at least he used to just like lick a cube put it back and wait and i caught him i finally caught him one day and i was like you need to go and he was like why and i was like you know why you know why you know what you did you know what you did you fucking cube liquor like that's not okay 
That's not you okay. Liquor. That's fucked up. And security was like, oh, you know, maybe you're being too. I'm like, I'm not being too nothing. No. Wait, was it his fetish to see if other people used yeah. it? Yeah. He would wait around. I was like, oh, that's what you're doing, you pervert. Ew. Like, not. No. And, I and that is the true definition of a pervert is someone who Literally, is doing that non-consensually. No that at all. So I told him, I was like, you need to get, get out of here. And if you ever come back, I will clock out and fuck you up. Period. <laughs> like, no, it. that's gross. That's nasty. I mean, at least like with a lot of people that have like, you know, interesting or extreme fetishes, like it usually is just with themselves. You know what I mean? Like. Like my friend works in a cigar bar and they have a guy, I mean, God bless his immune system, but he uh, likes to eat the ashes from the cigars, you know, but it, it doesn't hurt the girls, you know, much like uh, my cousin was a dominatrix and there was, you know, toilet bowl man and, you know, he mm -hmm. would like all the different, you know, excrement from the, the ladies, whatever they could produce in that moment, I guess. And, but again, like that didn't expose them to his germs or his but it's body. consensual the so whole thing and is it's consensual and he's paying for a service and it's like right and same thing with cigar man like he would tip them highly you know uh you know for them providing uh also i believe it was toenails um <clears throat> but um you know teach their own you know uh but this one is like ew it's like creepy because it's like you're being like Ugh. Yeah, you're yeah. you're tricking people. Yeah. I think Literally. that's like that's the whole thing. And like that's the whole thing like it just reminds me of like a lot of these communities online like these fucking incel communities that talk about, you know, how to get women to sleep with you like mm -hmm. and it's like the entire platform of what you are teaching is based on tricking someone. Is based on deceiving someone or man emotionally manipulating them in order to like that that's abuse and yes. like they wonder why these people from these communities get a hold of guns and like shoot up an entire you know place and kill people it's because there's no humanity in that you don't you're not viewing this as a person you're viewing it as someone you need to get something from in order to raise your status literally yep that yeah, part and, and also like you know i think about my little guy who liked the you know the burp the burping and the boob flexing and uh that you know you, you <laughs> i i got some good uh advice uh on that one uh from you so thank you um <laughs> yes <laughs> and you know i i just got tired of doing it so but he's still very cordial and sweet um but you know, he explained where it came from. Like he kind of knew, like he was like, I had a babysitter and she had very large breasts and she would burp, you know, when I was a kid, you know, and I learned it, like it turned me on. And so I have continued that, that, uh, that fetish and, and it turned, and I'm like, yeah, that's great. You know, you know what mm -hmm. you like and, and you're willing to, to, you know, compensate for it and except, you know, et cetera, but it, it's not hurting anyone. It's not manipulating anyone. It's like, it also, the fact that, that your Honest. fetish is ma the manipulation, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And that's, yeah. Ugh, oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. But yeah, I mean, that's the conversation that I 
I've have had many times about sex work of that there is such an honesty to it because it's transactional. Mm-hmm. Like because both parties know that they're getting what they want, they can show up authentically. Like yep. I felt as a stripper, like because I knew I would be paid for my time, I was legitimately happy to listen to people and have yep. real conversations with them. And I would you know, if they like offended me or said something that I didn't agree with, I would let them know like that, you know, I didn't feel like I had to, I mean, that is the way that I approached it personally is that I was authentic and that they did want to have an authentic conversation with a woman, you know, and a conversation that they maybe couldn't have in non-transactional spaces. Like I always use this example. Like I remember this one guy you know, we'd get a lot of like banker Wall Street types or whatever. And he was, you know, excited and kind of bragging about how he just bought his own apartment, his own, you know, brownstone or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, my God, wow, you must have, you know, worked really hard to to get that. Like, show me pictures, like, let's see it, you know. And he was able to have this validation. Whereas if he tried that on a woman, just like a woman in a bar, she'd be like, "Ugh," you know what I mean? She would probably brush him off as like bragging or being, you know, egotistical. And it would be maybe gauche or gross. Whereas in a strip club, I'm like, I'm going to get paid for this. Literally. Yeah. What, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about your new apartment? Great. Let's talk about it. I love interior design. I love real estate. Like I find it interesting. Like Let's chat, you know? For sure. Well, I always have said that I think, you know, strippers are are gorgeous therapists and sex workers are, you know, just like insanely talented, you know, just like, you know, you're doing so many things. You're providing so many things. Yeah. Visually, emotionally, physically, you know? Yeah. Yeah, You know, and like, I'm not ignorant to the fact that like, it's all within the constraints of patriarchy and capitalism and all of those things that can be and are oppressive to many people, not just women or femme identifying people. Like we are still within those systems, you know, but I think there are ways to, depending on who you are, there are ways for some people to find sex work that works for them. And right. You know, like I remember as a little kid, do you remember the show like Real Sex? Of course. On HBO. Oh my God, watching oh that show. Oh my shit. God. It was, oh, it was. It was like, uh, they I think would I like definitely, interview I definitely people humped, on the street. Definitely humped a couch to that. Yeah, show. like they would interview people on the street, <laughs> including like sex workers, but they would talk about sex and they would ask like very explicit sexual questions. And then there was another show that I think kind of followed in the vein of that called like the bunny ranch. And it was like a reality show about a brothel outside of Las Vegas. And I remember watching that as a kid and being like, you can do that. Like, that's so cool. Like you can have sex for money. You can like make people's (laughs) fantasies come true for money. Like I was fucking fascinated. Anyways, the writing was on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there was also a show called taxi cab confessions that yes was really fun that, that was actually one. that actually billy was on um <laughs> you're kidding how funny. Hi, billy. um or maybe it was real sex 
It was one of the two. He was on one of the two. A friend of ours um, who uh, I, I believe was masked during the interview just at the time protecting their or their identity. But um, wow. Yeah. You know, like I joke around and I say like I was polyamorous before it was annoying, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, that's sort of like the the whole conversation of like a lot of these things are becoming a lot of like what was fringe five, 10 years ago is becoming more mainstream, but people aren't necessarily educated in it. So, well, on that note, Madam Namio, if you had to if you had to tell the general public, you know, one or two things that you really feel they need to know about being a dom or a king, what would it be? Mm. Um, it would be that if you are not operating from a place where the foundation is communication and consent, then you are causing harm. You are not practicing BDSM. That's not what you're doing. So that needs to be reevaluated. And I guess the other thing too is that the only thing that you should be really ashamed of is that is hurting is hurting other people doing things without people's consent and also if this is something that you're going to practice if this is something that you want to enjoy if this is something that you want to get into then you need to pay homage and respect to the sex workers that make it possible and i mean all of them because one thing that I hate seeing is um, when I was a pro dom, like people would try to gas me up by putting down other types of sex workers, like full service sex workers. And it's like, excuse me, we wouldn't have what we have without full service sex workers. Exactly. At all. At all. Amen. We're not do like, what? what is this? Why are we shaming like you may not feel comfortable doing that, but why are you going to shame somebody who is and shame somebody who is able to be their own manager, to manage their own clients, to be their own security guard, to be a pleasure guardian, like to do all of those things. Those are so many jobs wrapped into one. And you have to have a pretty serious business acumen to do that. And there's no shame about that whatsoever. So you need to pay homage to the sex workers that make it possible for you to A, know what this shit is, B, feel comfortable enough to even practice it or research it or get into it. Sex workers make our culture what it is. Absolutely. Oh my God. Even something as that was amazing and everyone needs to listen up. Take that advice. I even see it in really small things like, and I forget, oh, I wish I could credit who posted about it, but it was like, you know, summer comes and we have festival season and there's like festival wear, Mm -hmm. which a lot of festival wear mimics stripper fashion. And then people don't want to give credit to Mm. the strippers who made like, who created those looks and made that like a fashion, like who created like that genre of fashion and Mm. like, they're going to be grossed out by sex workers or say like, Oh no, you know, like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) What? Wild. Yeah. Like that's like people like you can get like 
fucking fetish wear from Fashion Nova, but then yes. you want like fuck over or make fun of people who get money from pegging other people. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's not adding up. Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah. So how did you get into esthetician work? Um, so I started the first time that I ever ha- got a Brazilian or any kind of hair removal. I was 18 and it was fucking horrible. It was like so bad. <laughs> there was no communication. We have stories. There was nothing. And I'll never forget like she like. So when I went in there, I was like, hey, like I'd like a Brazilian. And they're like, oh, we're going to do our deep. We're doing a deep Brazilian special today. Would you like to take part of it? And I'm 18. I'm a fucking idiot. I was like, yeah, sure. I don't know what the fuck that means. I had no idea that meant that they were going to wax my asshole. (laughs) Position, And she's putting this hot wax on my asshole. She has not like tested it out or anything. And she pulled the strip. And I remember kicking my leg out and I kicked this poor woman in the face. She went flying (laughs) and still on my cooter. And like, I got up because I was like, oh, my God, are you okay?" And like, I didn't realize there was still wax on me. And I ended up getting stuck to the chair. So she had to call somebody else in (laughs) to like scrape me off of this chair. And meanwhile, she has like a black eye that's like forming from me kicking her in the face. And after that, I was just like so traumatized and I felt so bad. Years later, I like tried um, sugaring hair removal, which is mm-hmm. a much gentler, safer, better for the skin alternative. And I just love the way that it was making me feel and changing my skin. And I just realized like, wow, there is so much profit to be had in shame. And I hate that mm. about this like body hair is not ugly it doesn't make you smell bad like those are all myths like that's just that's bullshit and Mm -hmm. I sincerely believe in being the change that I want to see in the world and I realize that like oh this is what I want to do like I want to tap into the beauty industry I want to connect with my ancestors as well because sugaring Mm -hmm. is it's black. Black people created it. Black people created it. And it was, you know, made for black with black people in mind because black people created it. And I felt a connection to doing it. And it it shouldn't be a kind of conveyor belt system where it's like, oh, you do the same thing for each person that comes on the table. No, each person is different. Each person has different feet, like fears. Each person has different anxieties. Each person has different skin types. Each person, there are fat body people, trans people, all those people that are usually excluded in this market or shamed in this market deserve to be pampered and taken Uh care of and feel safe. And that's why, like, I was able to get really, really good at my job because I was able to pick up a lot of skills from when I was a pro dom, like I do a lot of communication with my clients. We do a lot of pain management. Uh, We do a lot of breath work. And also just like, hey, like I understand that like this is a service that you want to get. But for the most part, we are going to be working with your private parts. And unfortunately, like we all have trauma. We all have baggage that you can't just leave outside of the appointment. 
So let's do breathing exercises. If you start to feel triggered, you can let me know. Do you need space? Do you need someone to hold your hand? Do you need someone to breathe through this with you? Like, what do you need? And it's so rewarding to be able to create that space for my clients and to see them change like the way that they view their bodies change because I always tell them I'm like your body hair is beautiful but the thing is is you get to decide how you want to shape it you get to decide how you if you want to show it off if you want to keep it like and I'm here to facilitate that for you and I'm here to also educate you on how to take care of your skin because I think I you should not have to go to school to a specific kind of school to learn how to take care of your skin. Who do you know that's walking around here with no skin on? <laughs> Word. We Word. like we all have it's the largest organ of your body, but the thing is is that the less educated you are, the easier it is for you to feel shame about stuff that is totally normal. Ingrowns, pimples, boils, all that shit is normal. And you start to like really freak out thinking like, oh, like the amount of times that I have had clients like for the first time get on my table and they'll apologize. They're like, oh, I'm Mm. sorry. Like, you know, I'm a little sweaty down there. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I have a boil or I have this or I get the question a lot. Like, I'm sorry, my vulva or my penis or whatever like body part they have. I'm sorry. It doesn't look normal. And to that, I have to tell them, I have sugared thousands, thousands of private parts. I have never seen two that look the same, Mm. ever. It's like a fingerprint. You have something special there. There's nothing abnormal or weird about it. There's nothing weird about sweat or dirt or none of like, we're human beings. Those things are all totally normal. And like, you're going to feel terrible about it because there's literal money to be made from your Mm. shame. So if I can help you take the power back and realize, like, I have nothing to be ashamed of. Like, I love my body hair. I love the way that I sweat. I love, or even if you don't like it, like, you shouldn't penalize yourself for being a person. And Mm. I tell people, I'm like, yo, like, because I am a little bit of a Marvel nerd. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, like, Thanos, he had those infinity stones, right? Each one of them was special. Is he going to be sitting there talking about like, oh, I don't like that this one doesn't look like this. No, you have an infinity stone between your legs. No one else has that. (laughs) Yes. Has that. And the fact that you feel comfortable enough to trust me to take care of you and be be there for you through that. Like, that's the most rewarding part about it. Mm. Listen, Mm. if I'm in the market for a wax, you can have all my money. Because oh my that... gosh. she gonna take care of your infinity stone. Yes. <laughs> I will. I, will. I mean, that is that is so beautiful. And the care and concern that goes into the experience, you know, like I think that says a lot about so many people, like how you approach a job, you know, and mm. how you approach a job that's one not being abusive to you because, right. I mean, there's all kinds of jobs, right. But you know, the way you show up to one job is the way you show up to any job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there were also like actual physical things that carried over, which I thought was really interesting. Like for example, when I first started to learn how to sugar, like it's all done by hand. And the first month I just had to learn, like, how the fuck do I pick this up? Like, 
How do I pick this glob of sugar up and hold it? And I was uh-huh. having such a hard time. And then I started looking at it and I was like, okay, you've done this before. It's just the other way around. Because when you used to grab someone's nuts and like grip them around like this, like that's kind of the same thing. You just have to turn your hand over and do do the same kind of motion. And it kind of clicked in my head and I was like, oh my God, yeah, like it's the same thing. Sugaring is like playing with balls. Um, yeah, like you pick when you pick the sugar up, it's like playing with the balls, but you know, you play with the balls this way, but you know, to pick the sugar up, it's this way. And then to to flick the sugar off of the body, you have to like be very light with your wrist and quick and I was like this is just like spanking like you know you're doing like a light flick and a light like it it just all kind of clicked in that way in my brain so I was able to pick that skill up very very quickly and then on top of that just like understanding body language because even I tell my clients like listen like if you need a break like this is not an easy thing to do and you know like if you need a break I am ripping the hair out of your most sensitive parts. If you need a break, tell me that you need a break. But sometimes, you know, I find that some people are so conditioned to not say what they need that they won't say it. So I like am always like my eyes are peeled. I'm just like, okay, Mm -hmm. are your legs shaking? That's going to let me know that there's a lot of adrenaline going on. Like what, what, what facial expressions are you making? Like, are you grabbing anything? Like just like picking up on things like that where I can be like, all right, we're taking a break and I'll take control over the situation and be like, you may not feel comfortable enough with me yet to be able to be like, Oh no, she's serious. Like I can say I need a break. So I'll, I'll be able to like keep an eye out and make sure that like, if I see something, I can be like, we're going to take five and we're going to work on our breathing because if you breathe well, you activate your diaphragm and that's going to help manage your pain. So it's a lot of like conversations like that where I'm just like, yeah, this is like similar to what I used to do in the dungeon, except now it's just like skincare and not, you know, like ashing a blunt in somebody's mouth or like laughing while you make them like come off the floor. Like whatever. It's different. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, oh my so gosh. Amazing. Yeah, I love I love the analogy. That's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. When you're ready, I'm going to click the button and it's going to pick a word. All right, let's go. And. Oh, you have to tell her when to stop. Stop. <laughs> oh, bitch. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. I like bitch. Okay. So. Our definition of bitch, a fearless person who unabashedly owns their power and will let you know it, bitch. Yeah. And these are always spot on. It's really, it's, it's insane how spot on these are. It just always, it just always fits to the person. Do you want to say it's upright? I know we didn't have the randomizer in that sense, right? Yeah, it's upright. Okay. Here we go. Uh, I am tough. I'm ambitious and I know exactly what I want. If that makes me a bitch, okay. That was quoted from Madonna. You and Madonna both know not everyone is going to like your new ass implants or you. And they can kiss it. Keep doing you, bitch. I love that. And then the affirmation, if you choose, 
I am a strong, powerful, magical bitch. I know what I want and I get it. I am bitch. Love. Wait, this is great. <laughs> oh, we amazing. Thank you. Here, I'll send it to you in the chat if you, if you yes, please keep it for yourself. Your I also love I also love that it addressed like body modification because it's like however you want to express yourself like right also you, like why are you mad at implants that somebody else got yeah who gives a shit <laughs> fuck like, off it's who can't the only time that you should care is if like the doctor fucked up and hurt them or whatever then okay but like if that's what she wanted to do then let her do it it's her body literally yes 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 this has been awesome thank you for your patience and all our technical difficulties you guys we got through it (laughs) we did it we that's some boss bitch shit right (laughs) we made it work well let the listeners know you know where they can find you on social media how to find your esthetician practice and whatever else you want to share if you have anything fun coming up blah 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 um, yes, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Lisa Spliffson, on TikTok at Lisa Spliffson, and on Twitter at Madam Namiel. I will be posting my salon updates on my Instagram. And some fun thing that's going to be happening later this month on June 29th, I will be hosting a very sexy, fun, queer strip night at the Sultan room. So you can see some of the finest there and throw your ones. Yes. Okay. That is very hot. I love that. The Sultan room. Where is that? I I believe it's like in Williamsburg slash Bushwick. So Bushburg. Bushburg. Ah, like, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, sadly, I, I know it well. The place that it takes me forever to get to. Um, literally. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was, it, I would get to Bushwick quicker when I lived in Harlem than I do now in Astoria. It's insane. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And where is your esthetician practice? Do you go to people's homes or do you do it out of, I go out to of a homes and I'm currently doing it out of my own home, but we might, we will be having a salon space opening up soon. I just have to get some shit sorted with some landlords, but that will be getting posted as soon as I know. How exciting. exciting. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Incredible. Well, what an amazing conversation. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, you for, for having me. This was so fun. Yay. Thank you for being with us. And and seriously, when you do check out her Instagram, I mean, you're just, you're just, you're very authentic. And I appreciate that, you know, and, and I adore you. And I think you're hilarious, but also very smart and gorgeous and talented. And very vulnerable. And I appreciate you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Thank Bye. You. Bye.